Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to Evolving Digital Self. As we're launching into season four, I thought it might be fun to circle back with one of our original guests from our first season. Ted Rubin is an old friend who comes from the social strategy space. We started out there, God, I, I don't, it, it seems like a, a lifetime ago. We met at a conference, I think, actually in uh, the Bay Area before I was even living here and talking about sort of the future of how do we keep people connected using technology, maintaining humanity and relationships in the process. And wow, we've come a long way since then and the technologies have changed, but we're still all about people. So I thought it would be really fun to circle back with Ted and sort of see what he's doing and see, you know, what his impressions are of where this space has evolved and how we have evolved as individuals. And uh, we're still talking about the human relationship with technology and how it's changing the way we work and live, but uh, trying to keep a little human in the process. So welcome back, Ted. Thank you, Heidi. I'm so excited to be here. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. And it's great to see you too. I mean, I know that this is a podcast and it's audio, but we're looking at each other via Zoom. And like I told you when I get on, because it keeps coming into my head, I love the glasses you're wearing. They really look fabulous. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I missed running into you. I mean, it, it's sort of, we just passed the season of CES and all of these different markers that we usually bump into each other, you know, whether it's CES or South by Southwest and who knows whether there are any, you know, when the next time that we'll have all these physical things that'll happen. But this whole piece of sort of how do we keep that human connection uh, using technology or using hybrid models has become all the more relevant for us as we've moved through this past year in particular. And so I think it's sort of even more poignant to really have this conversation of like, how do we keep human in this process? And you're all about which one of the things that I just I love, you're all about kindness and, and about sort of the reciprocity and, and relationships. And so it's always a joy to talk to you because, you know, that's really sort of what a, a lot of it stems from. And yet you're also really connected with how do we put this into practice for our businesses and for really sustaining who we are as our brands. So can you share a little bit about sort of where you're at and what you're working on now? Well, like everybody, I'm home, <laughs> or at least like most of people. And I, I, it's actually like what I can't believe is we're coming up on a year. I mean, I've been here since March 15th, and I didn't really, I only was two other places right before that because this was all kind of starting in February when we were being more careful. We were told to bring sanitizer with us. So I went to, thank goodness, I went to visit my nieces and my daughter one of my daughters right before at the end of February. So at least I got to see them before, you know, all this travel ceased. And then I had one last trip to see John Andrews in Raleigh. And it was actually at his place where I said, you know, I think I better get home. It was, it was back when there was talk that they were going to close highways and borders for states and nobody was really sure what was going to happen. You know, plus we, we hadn't really gotten into our, our swing of how do we deal with this? You know, what do we do? What do we wear? Do you wear masks? How do you, how often do you wash your hands? And, and so to answer your question, I'm home. In some ways, I'm doing the same stuff I did. I'm very active socially. Uh, I, I still post and comment a lot. You know, we obviously had a very important election 
which was something I put a lot of time and effort into and fortunately had a little bit more time to do that. So I did phone banking. I, you know, used my social profile to express my opinions, got a lot of pushback from people that said I wasn't being kind and that I wasn't being good to people. And I had to do a lot of explaining that to me, being good to people isn't just about being kind and being nice. It's about doing what's right. It's about standing up for people's rights. It's about helping people that need help. You know, it's about affecting change when it's necessary. So, you know, I've had a lot of conversations about that, even with the people from Be Good to People, the company, because they were upset that they thought that because I was being so politically active, it was that it wasn't right for me to use their name, Be Good to People. And I'm like, well, I got the shirt. I got the stickers. Uh, It's become part of my brand, whether it's like just like Nike can become part of your brand. if. Heidi wears Nike all the time. Nike can't say to Heidi, oh, you know what? You know, that stuff you bought, you can't wear it anymore because it becomes part of people know you that way. So a lot of that stuff kind of developed over the last year. And what I've kind of been looking at personally is ways to to live a little bit more of a meaningful life is how to be happier with myself, you know, trying to, you know, reading books about happiness or actually the one I love now, which my business partner, John Andrews, insisted I read. And I've been doing a huge amount of reading and uh, shout out to Audible. I discovered Audible during the pandemic. Two of my buddies, one who was a founding member of Audible, Steve Spiro and John were like, dude, you got to do audio books. Like you can do it while you're working out and, you know, while you're kayaking and while you're out. And I was on this binge of educating myself about racism, about white supremacy, about politics, about a lot of different things in the world. And I don't read that fast. You know, you can't read that stuff the same way you read a newsletter or some of the other stuff that we charge through. And Audible has just been so amazing for me. And the latest book John suggested I read is The The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And it's a book that's like an anti-self-help book, basically saying that, which is something I've been battling with for a while is all this stuff about be better and do better. You know, you got to be the best. You got to get outside your comfort zone. And something you might have seen me write about, because I have, is stop telling me that I have to go outside my comfort zone. I'm 63 years old and I spent my whole fucking life trying to find my comfort zone. Like it's my comfort zone that I seek. How many of us are actually in a comfort zone? I love when people say, hey, you got to step outside your comfort zone. How many people do you know that are actually that comfortable? I mean, we all feel like we should be doing more no matter what part of society we're a part of. And something that I've battled with my whole life, which has really come to the fore during the pandemic is what I accomplish in a day. And I guess because of all my travel and all the things I was involved in, I didn't hold myself as accountable because I was on a plane every day. I'm in front of an audience. And then if I got a workout in, it it was an extra. Now I'm home all day. And if I don't do three different workouts during the course of the day, I feel like I did something wrong. Oh my God, I only took out my kayak and and, and went for a walk. I didn't didn't, uh, ride my bike or I didn't lift or I didn't do enough pushups today. Or I didn't do enough, I didn't write enough blog posts or contact enough people. And I've been battling with how to let myself off the hook. And which, by the way, really makes you a lot happier. Because at the end of the day, you're not like finding things to be wrong with you. In other words, I'm trying to look at the end of my day and saying, wow, look at all I did. Instead of saying, wow, look at everything I didn't do. Mm -hmm. And if you know me, and when I write about this, some people laugh because I do more in a day than a lot of people do in a week 
And I still, at the end of every day, I'm beating myself up that I didn't do something, that I didn't finish something early enough, that I didn't make my deadline for when I wanted to be out running or out walking or out riding my bike or something. So that's one thing. And then you brought up something earlier on in conversation about how the world has changed and connectivity has become so different. And what I think is great is that there's been such an acceleration of these technologies that so many people are afraid to use that now we've learned that you can be home and have direct contact with your family via Zoom or see them or have a remote birthday party. And by the way, most people can't travel for all these events. So we used to just miss them. Remember that? Like, oh, it was your birthday. I'm sorry, I won't be to be there. But now you can get together your family and stuff with grandma or somebody. Like my parents stopped traveling at one point because they just weren't capable and it was too hard for them. So therefore they weren't a part of any of our events anymore. And now people are realizing they can be. And then what I see is the next step is not how do we keep doing this, but how do we integrate it into our lives so that we don't just lose it. We don't go from, okay, we don't need Zoom anymore. Let's, you know, now you got it. And, and then you start getting that pressure, of course, of accomplishment. You didn't go out and see somebody. How come you didn't go visit Heidi? Why did you just do a Zoom? We can take all of these and integrate them so that we can be more in touch with people that we weren't in touch with before. I mean, one of the reasons I've always loved social is I, I understand all the negative impacts, but for me, the major positive impact is that I can touch so many people in a day that I can send out birthdays and, and personalize them to each person, but you know, quickly with a click of a button. And, and now Facebook brings up photos of us when we were together last, and I can add that to it because it definitely makes you feel better and feel closer. Yeah. you know, and have those conversations. So that was a lot for what you just asked me. And you know, I get a little bit riled up and passionate when we start getting into stuff. But it's all good. You say something it's now. all good. <laughs> it's all good. But I'm with you 100%. I mean, and how can we get into a place where we actually integrate them so that they become a hybrid solution so that we can actually continue to invite in those people that can't actually physically attend? You know, whether there's family members or whether it's remote workers or, I mean, the thing is we're, we're getting into this space where there's so much more global mobility and the accessibility to be able to work remotely from anywhere in the world, which means that you could be working from South Africa with a team that's, you know, sitting in Dubai and, you know, and Beijing and New York and California all at the same time. Now, granted, you know, the middle of the night's kind of a wonky time to work. So you're dealing with time zones and asynchronous, but you still can have that authentic connection. And maybe you can gather as many of the people that can physically be together to work in clusters, but you can still have that connection. And you don't necessarily have to give that up when all of a sudden we can travel again. And by the way, that travel is exhausting on our bodies. It's, you know, physically disruptive. It's sustainability from a sustainability perspective, it's atrocious. There's all of these different factors. And that's not to say not to travel, but we need to be much more conscious about the travel that we do. We need to you yeah. know, be at those things that are absolutely relevant. And the technology can enable us to make those decisions and make that more of a conscious. Absolutely. Like, I don't miss travel for just for travel's sake. In other words, what I miss from travel is the people I got to see and like bumping into you and coming to any city and putting out a note and saying, Heidi, I'm going to be in San Francisco. I'm staying at the Hilton. Why don't you come by one night for a drink or or just seeing people at events? That part I miss. I don't miss the physical part of it, of the getting on the plane and the travel and the getting off. I mean, that is exhausting. So here's what I'm 
thinking we're going to see. I don't think it's going to be a big challenge in business. I think business is going to adopt and keep this as a long-term thing. I think they're saving huge amounts of money. They've also been forced to realize that most people are as productive or more productive working from home. So all that bullshit before where, oh, we can't let people work from home. They won't do their work. They won't be productive. They're finding out that without the stress of commuting, without the stress of worrying about getting home for Johnny's soccer game or for some other thing they have to do, for being able to be around their family and do a couple of things in and out, it doesn't mean driving home from work. And then therefore, of course, they don't just jump out at 5.30 or 6 o'clock because they have to get that family time in. And then, of course, the need for offices. I think real estate is going to change dramatically in this country. And why do you think all the REITs are the ones that are commissioning the articles saying work from home doesn't work? Check out every one of them. They're all being commissioned by real estate companies because they know that nobody's going to renew their leases. I mean, and remember, I say nobody. I don't mean nobody. But every major firm, even if they keep an office, they're never going to have the amount of space they had before. All this stuff is going to have to find a new use. So in business, and same thing for travel, like I think travel is going to have to be re-looked at because I think the airlines and the hotels are going to lose a huge amount of business travel because companies are saving a fortune. People are also realizing how hard travel was on their body. You know, my grandfather worked till he was in his 80s and my mother begged him for years to to retire because she saw what it was doing to him. He didn't really realize it until he stopped. And then realized, oh, my God, like that he was getting up every early morning and trudging to the train station and going into the city and the wear and tear it put on him. And I think a lot of us have now recognized how much healthier we are. You know, how remember I used to get a cold every month and oh, my God, I haven't gotten that cold all of a sudden because you're not getting in and out of planes and not getting sleep and getting sleep that's interrupted and all these other things. I think the challenge to maintain the usage of this stuff is going to come in our personal lives. And the reason I say that is because people put it down. In other words, they haven't, they've embraced it as a necessity. They haven't embraced it as an addition, as, wow, this is amazing. Like I'm seeing Heidi now, I'm seeing my sister now more than I ever saw her before. My brother lives in Palm Springs. I saw him maybe twice a year. You know, now I see him once a month. Or he can haunt me anytime he wants and say, and call me on FaceTime or send me a Zoom because we're all much more, I mean, it's, it's gone overboard to a degree where people Zoom me now. And I'm like, why don't you just call me? Like, I don't want to walk holding up my phone or something like that. I'm outside, I'm doing something. So I think that when we, I think, first of all, there will be an influx of travel because we're all going to feel like, oh my God, like I, I want to get out. We want to go. But I think business will settle back. I think events are going to be completely different. I think companies have figured out that that remote events actually work and that they sometimes work more effectively. Again, you don't have to sit there for the whole freaking day listening to all the keynotes that you couldn't care less about. You can tune in for the ones that are important to you. The technologies are getting better every day. I was a keynote in an event recently that had tables after the event. And you, and you popped up and you moved your icon and then you were at a different table and then you could only speak to the people at that table for a networking event afterwards. I mean, these things are going to get better and better. So I'm not saying there won't be events. Of course there will be. But I don't think there'll be the plethora of events that there were before. I don't think there'll be the 50 events a day in every damn city where people realize now that people were just wasting their time and money going to most of those and partying. And there's nothing wrong with partying. 
And there's nothing wrong with socializing with business people because as you and I have talked about in the past, that builds the relationship, that makes the engagement stronger. But there's ways to do that in ways where it won't be as tiring on our bodies, we'll get to continue to see our families and we'll get to enjoy it. So I think in our personal lives, part of it is gonna be when people start letting each other off the hook and say, let's Zoom, you know, that's okay. And I know you might not be able to make it up here next month. Or, you know, even if you can't go out for drinks one night because your kid's sick, you can still join your friends. You know, they can hold up a FaceTime because they may, they could have done that before. But a lot of people didn't because they weren't as comfortable with it. Well, for sure. And I think that, you know, as to your point of reconnecting those connections that are already that you already have, we're taking advantage of the technologies to utilize them in that way. I think have you seen any tools? I mean, you talked about this one where they do the, the rooms, the separate rooms or tables that you can move around. But the one thing that I, I want to see more of, and, and maybe I just haven't been digging deep enough, but it seems like we're missing that spontaneity, that opportunity for the serendipitous conversations or people that all of a sudden, you, you know, I think I'm trying to think back to, I think when we actually met was at an event that was put on in Palo Alto, probably 12 years ago. And I actually remember where we met. We were standing outside of the, I think it was at the Four Seasons. And we were standing outside of the break room sitting, you know, we were just enjoying some sun in between one of the sessions. And we broke out in conversation and connected and we've stayed connected ever since. How do you recreate that kind of connection? Because it's more, you know, our lives have overlapped and the things that we've, uh, we've done over the years have overlapped. And generally it was the, hey, you're, you know, I'm going to be in San Francisco. Let's meet up for a drink at the Hilton. Or, you know, I'm at South by Southwest. Come on by our event and say hi. But it wasn't necessarily, you know, they weren't sort of these fixed, okay, I'm signing up for this event. I'm going to sit through the sessions and I'm going to be assigned a table. You don't have that same serendipitous, spontaneous connection there. So how do we recreate that? Well, I think a lot. So I don't have that answer. If I did, I'd create it. But what I think is that a lot of us have to create it for ourselves. So, I mean, I'll give you an example. Now, I'm not a fan of this app right now, of this platform right now, but that might change because I'm not, you know, but like Clubhouse, you've heard of it. I knew you were going to say Clubhouse. Yes. <laughs> and I don't go there at all. I find it a ridiculous time suck. I find almost everything is a pitch and a sale and a coach and a better yourself. I mean... Even the good conversations I've been invited into have so much fluff and bullshit in them that what I find, you can dig out real pearls. And what I think they're onto is that when someone does have a clubhouse, let's say you and I, and we invite 10 of our good friends, and then anybody can come in that gets invited to watch and they have to be selected, is that you get to see the other people in there. So then you can say, hmm, I'd like to meet Heidi. The problem is, and again, this thing could be evolving every day. So I could be wrong, but like if they gave me the ability to actually tap Heidi on the shoulder and say, let's jump off into our own conversation. I'd be much more apt to go in there. What, what I find is a problem, by the way, there are some great conversations in there because there are some great moderators. Sugar Jones put together, does a talk. She's a, she's a blogger and she talks about topics that are really important to her and she moderates and she invites in the people she wants. And it's not a free-for-all unless it's meant to be, like it's a cocktail hour or something. But again, there's so much selling going on in there. And because people can talk on and on and on, most of these clubhouses go on for fucking hours and hours. 
And so if I want to hear Heidi speak, I got to wait and wait and wait. There's no alert. There's nothing I can set that says, okay, Heidi's talking now. I know you wanted to hear what she had to say. It's up to the moderator to pull somebody in or tap them so that they can talk. And what you end up getting is most of the people's friends are the ones they really want to talk. And no different than me if I start going off. At some point, you're like, okay, I don't want to hear about that anymore. You can't get a notice when I'm done. So, and I don't, look, I'm not a technologist whatsoever. So I don't know if that's possible, impossible, whether maybe they'll add it in the future. There's a whole uproar about it. And my get a lot of the people promoting it, you know, I'm going to guess are part of a promotional team. But again, I could be wrong about that. But I find that if I get in there, five hours later, like five hours are just disappeared with no value other than, yes, I connected theoretically, like on Twitter, to all these people that followed me because I got my two minutes to speak or they saw me in the thing or, you know, I, I don't see that what, what you're talking about, that serendipitous walking through a conference and going either bumping into somebody or seeing somebody who's holding forth on a conversation going, I want to meet them and go over, bide your time while they're talking, wait till they're done or wait for your moment to jump in and be able to work a room the way people that know how to work a room can do it and get all that value. So I'm going to guess someone's going to figure that out because there's a lot of smart people out there and a lot of smart technology people. And there's certainly people that understand like you and I, that that would be really cool. I mean, that's actually what I find social media to be in general, except it's like, I used to call South by Southwest stepping into your Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And I used to try to describe it to people. I'd be like, you're walking down the street. There's thousands of people everywhere. You don't know most of them. Like the stuff's flying by. And then you see Heidi. And you go, oh my God, we're connected. Like, hey, how are you? Walk over, you start talking. And then something else gets your attention the same way it does on Facebook. And you go, I got to go, I got to run. And you run over to someone else or you stick with them. So I think social has created in some ways that replication for that general that you can kind of go in and find anybody you want there. But I don't think it's given what you're talking about, where you go to that event and you can kind of scan a room and serendipitously or in, or strategically meet people. Now, a lot of people are using Clubhouse strategically. They're going to very specific you know, conversations where there's people they want to meet. But here's the other problem I think that's going to evolve very quickly with Clubhouse. The people that championed it for being so amazing for the people you could meet are getting so many people into it that you can no longer meet those people. Mm -hmm. So in other words, when there were only a, and I look, I don't know the numbers, when there were only a million members or 500,000 members, there were only 50 conversations at once. And when you went to the conversation, there were only 10 people on that call or 20. So it was probably more likely they might say, oh, look, there's somebody here named Heidi. What did like, Heidi, introduce yourself to the group. Now there's 400 people or so many, and, and guys like Gary and, and, and Van and Chuck and all those are, are really holding forth. And look, Gary's a great guy. He's very good about serendipitously meeting people. But what's the likelihood of you going to one of the things that he's in Clubhouse and there's 200 people on there that he's going to choose you? You know, it's just like being at an event. You're going, pick me, pick me, you know, and hoping they click on your thing and then hoping that whoever you talk to wants to engage with you. And by the way, does that also mean you have a relationship? Now you've got to go from that to some other place, either ask him for his phone number, which he might or might not give you on the platform, or you got to find him on Twitter or somewhere else. Now, Gary's a probably a bad example because he's so great at engaging, but Grant Cardone and, and uh, any of these other guys that people want to meet, 
I'm not championing them by saying their names. I'm just mentioning that they're very popular people. I think as the platform grows and it's growing dramatically, as you all know, and I think they just raised another $100 million, that those meetings are going to become few and far between. Well, absolutely. I agree with you. And I think I, I struggle with that, not having that ability to tap someone on the shoulder and say, hey, can we have a conversation? Or even more so, as you know me over the years, I'm the type of person that's like, I, you know, I love to connect people. And, and that it's that physical connection of the spontaneity of like, oh, wait a minute, Ted needs to meet, my, you know, this person over here. And so I bring them physically to you and say, hey, Ted, you need to meet this person. You can't do that within that platform. And that's not necessarily what it's for. Or maybe that's something they're looking at in the future. I have seen some people doing simultaneous LinkedIn conversations, LinkedIn events at the same time as a clubhouse where the conversation, there's actually a conversation thread in uh, LinkedIn simultaneously with a clubhouse event. And there I, I see people connecting, but it's very clunky. I mean, it's not, there's not well, this fluidity that you would have in a physical environment. A lot of people figure these things out or or they just create something like Brian Fanzo is great at that. You know, back when it was Periscope and there was Blog and Blab and all those others, you know, he'd have four different cameras going, you know, with things and connecting people across platform just because maybe the platform didn't offer that opportunity. But again, like you said, only there's a limited amount of people that can benefit from that who are either capable or I remember Brian trying to explain to me how to do it. I'm like, dude, I'm out. Like, <laughs> that's great. But I'm not carrying that tripod and that thing. And I'll never remember that you got to click this and press that and do that. You know, you, that, that's second nature to you, but not to me. And look, like I said, I'm, I'm still, I'm letting people in the clubhouse because I have that ability. I follow people because I'm not sure when, and I want them to follow me just because I'm not sure when I might decide. Like I first went into it when a, a buddy of mine, Maury Chiwaki, who works for Damon John, reached out to me and said, dude, you got it. It was a Saturday morning. And I, I had all these plans. I was going to be, I was going for this long walk. And then I was in a kayak. Five hours later, I'm still on this damn clubhouse. And at the end of it, you know what I got from it? Four people that have been hounding me since who are coaches on Instagram. Mm. One of them, she's like 22 years old and she's number 10 entrepreneur in the world. And she's going to tell me how to run my business and how to live my life healthier and better. And I'm like, you graduated college three years ago. Like, seriously? Like, I'm not saying you're not successful, but you probably, it's like the people that are successful selling success instead of ever, ever having been successful mm -hmm. in anything other than selling success. And by the way, God bless them. I am not, if that's how they can make a living or make a lot of money, great. But don't tell me that we need to partner because, you know, you're going to tell me, you know, again, about life, mm -hmm. you know, and there are certainly people who can tell me about life. And I, and those are the people that I engage in that fashion. But what ended up happening was there were all these big name people on this. It was, it was this was over a month ago, Maury was great. He introduced me to them. They asked me to come on the thing. I spoke. And after I spoke, I got all these outreaches. And I got to tell you, every one of them was a promoter. Everyone. Mm. Mm. And everyone I've gone in since then, there are good people. But the only way to really engage with them is after the fact, reach out, connect with them the way we have and all these other things. Because for the most part, I get out. The, the, what I get is the after effect is people trying to sell me shit. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced that a little bit. I, you know, I've really only dabbled in Clubhouse, but I've used it very specifically for the podcasting community and uh, been called into a bunch of rooms to sort of help people who are starting to get out, you know, get launched on their podcast or to figure out that. And 
And that seems to be very much a giving community. And there's something about the podcast community that's really quite wonderful. I mean, I've never met a podcaster that isn't all about just giving. Um, I think it's a great tool. Yeah. Like, like, I think it's a great place to host things, to, to bring, like, there's, like I said, there are some great conversations, but they're so hard to find. Yeah. And so I started by thinking, okay, Heidi's inviting me into something. It's probably going to be good. And again, obviously not you. And I go in and I, and next thing I know, it's just people promoting shit and their intention was good. Don't get me wrong. When they asked me to come in, they were like, oh my God, Ted, you'd have so much to add to this conversation. But by the time I got there and then I spent 45 minutes waiting for the moment where either there's going to be someone of value or someone I can meet or some way for me to engage. It doesn't come. And I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like I got too much shit to do today. (laughs) And so, so again, I think as a tool, when you put it, like, I think if you want to put together a group and set up something for you guys to once a week talk about, or do something like that, like something I I had a, I had a morning call for one of the companies I'm involved in every morning at nine 30 for the last few months, last six months. And it's become a regular thing for me. And I kind of like it because it added a little structure because all my structure is now self-made and it's ended. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe I should do a clubhouse every morning at 930 and just pull in, you know, a, a few particular people because I'm certainly not starting a podcast I'm, I, I'm because I'm not doing all that work. It's a lot of work to, to do what you do and to put it together and to get your guests and get everything going. I don't really, Facebook Live, I don't find, I mean, I do ones every once in a while for fun, but there's no real value there other than, again, as a tool. Mm-hmm. Like I want to reach out to somebody or something. So again, I haven't given up on it. I've been very critical of Clubhouse, but it's not me. I try to end every criticism with a lot of people getting a lot of value. There's some great content there. And I wouldn't be surprised at some point if I'm leveraging it in some way because I find a way that works for me. Yeah. Very cool. Hey, before we before we go off, I want to make sure that folks know what you're and I want to know what you're working on right now. You know, because you've always got some really cool projects that you're working on, and and those have also evolved over time. And and I don't know if you're still involved with brand innovators or there's, I mean, there's always so many different buckets that you're building from. So tell us a little bit about what you're working on. Well, I am no longer involved with brand innovators. Okay, I stopped working with them. Uh, the summer of 2019, so about eight or nine months before COVID hit, just as well, because now they're everything they do is remote and, mm-hmm. and kind of a very different type of structure. But love those guys, have a great relationship with them. Uh, if I, if they were still having them, I would be like stopping by, which I did after the fact, if I was in a city where they were having one. I've been very involved with Photify, which is a uh, a photo and video content tool for adding branded content and promoting your business especially on the local level. John Andrews, you know, joined them as the CEO. Love him. Oh, cool. John, of course, I get an email about an hour later saying, oh, by the way, you're a CMO. And, you know, we've been kind of working on it for the last few years. We grew it from basically no revenues to a few million in revenues right now, uh, mostly focused on the direct sales and real estate space. So basically promoting employee and community created content. Mm-hmm. You know, and how, and the importance of creating content at the local level to promote your business, which is very hard for a lot of big companies to do. What our real vision for it is, which I'm not sure will happen, or maybe not when we're still involved, 
is that we believe that all franchises, retailers, all brands should be having employees creating content at the local level and sharing it and engaging their followers. Unfortunately, just like we had to collect the bias when they didn't want to let bloggers create content for them, they're afraid of allowing their employees to create content for them. So we've had trouble breaking through in that space. We've had some tests with some Walmart divisions, which went really well, but then ramping it out of there was very difficult. But we found a lot of success in direct sales and real estate because those people are encouraged to create content. If you become a direct salesperson for a Rodan and Fields, for a Mary Kay, for a, for any of these kind of companies, they're going to tell you right up front, if you're not out there creating content on social media, you're never going to sell anything. So, you know, it's a big part of what they do. And real estate's the same thing. Every real estate broker is told you better be out there on social media promoting what you're doing. And our contention is don't just sell shit, create relationships, share content that isn't just about buying that house, but it's about a local insurance symposium or someplace where you can learn how to build something in your backyard or, again, properly branding your own content when you put it out. And the direct sellers have recognized that all their people were creating content and it was random here and there with improper logos, improper one-liners, misspellings. Now we're giving them the overlays so they can create it. We like to say beautifully branded content in under 30 seconds. That's syndicatable. And then the brands can track it as well. So so they know they can say, hey, Heidi's one of our best posters on Instagram or Facebook creating content via Photify. You know, we're going to do a webinar and she's going to tell you some of her tricks. And then they can learn from that and encourage people. So we kind of realized that as much as we had you know, John's a big thinker. He's a thought leader and he's brilliant. And he's like, oh, and he's just, oh my God, retailers and, and, and franchises. This is crazy. And we banged our heads against the wall for like a couple of years with, because we've got a lot of relationships in the space, but getting them to overcome the fear of that stuff. It, 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 we just, I'm 63, John's 55. We're done. We're, like, I don't want to spend 10 years trying to convince somebody to do something. So as long as we like, again, direct sellers, real estate brokers, they recognize the value. So Although we're still, you know, talking to people at brands, we're showing them our product, we're happy to get in there, we'd love to do something. We're spending most of our time with what we found are the people that, it's nice to sell to people that want your product. Oh, for right? sure. <laughs> I always said that I, I much prefer to be bought than to sell myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't, that doesn't mean we get everybody, but the ones that turn us away don't say, oh, we can't do this. They decide to go with another solution or they decide they don't have the revenue for it right now or they want to look at it again. Like every not one has said, go away. They've said, hey, let's talk again in six months or look, we're trying out this and then we'll come back to it because they're open to it. Whereas at major brands, retailers and franchisees, it's like battling to just get them to listen. Yeah. Well, so, I would think, it, you know, in the affiliate space, there's a huge opportunity for influencers and publishers to be able to, when they're sharing content about the different products or services that they promote because they, you know, hopefully they feel aligned with them or whatever it is. But I find often because we have a lot of affiliates that we use uh, that help support the show and, uh, you know, lots of great products and services. We're very selective about the ones that we choose. Part of my selection process is some of them just don't create enough good content for me to share. And, you know, if you can have the ability to be able to use their content in from what you're describing in a Photify way where it's branded, which I can put my stamp on it so that it's okay. well, maybe they don't have the best thing, but I can actually use some of the base branded stuff and put my twist on it. Then that seems to be like it would be it would give me the opportunity to be able to present something that suits my standards of what I want to share. But it also lets them know 
that it's the source is coming from me as, you know, as promoting their product. So I think that there's an interesting opportunity within affiliates. Yeah, the problem is it doesn't scale and and we need scale. So basically what we've done is like everybody, it's great to have big ideas, but at some point you got to focus on where you can really make your sales Mm -hmm. and where the product works. So back to your question of what I'm doing. So we've narrowed that focus. We're still writing a lot about the other opportunities and creating content about it for the long term. And we certainly believe if and when the company gets acquired, that part of the vision for a bigger company with a a built-in sales force and a lot of money to build the technology and to promote it, we'll take it in that direction. So that's kind of the, the long thought. So there's that. And John and I have been working on that. I have, you know, I'm trying to figure some things out. I made a decision last year that I did not want to jump into the remote speaking space. Um, I did a bunch because basically I ran it the same way I ran my speaking business. If you reach out and ask me, I'm happy to do it. Here's what my fee is. Uh, 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 let's go. But I'm not out there promoting myself to do it because I just don't enjoy it as much. Mm. I, I don't because I feed off a crowd. I like the energy. And look, I'm also fortunate. I'm in a place where I didn't have to make that money. I mean, I, I had a I had 20 bookings for last year and I lost them all. But and it sucked because I would have liked to have had the money, but I didn't need them. Mm-hmm. So. I was able to make a decision based on how I felt here, you know, inside and not pursue it. And that might change this year, depending on how things roll out. Another thing I've involved myself in is I've gotten involved in some local real estate and mostly starting in the building I live in. I I had a goal that I wanted to own all the units in my condo, which there's only 11. When I first moved here four and a half years ago, it seemed like a long shot. Now I own six and I control the bill and I have 57% of the building and I'm able to upgrade it and renovate it and fix all the things I've been wanting to fix that nobody wanted to do. And now I'm looking at another piece of property that's right next door, which uh, like I'm not searching the neighborhood because I don't want to be necessarily a real estate guy. But if I can add to my footprint here right next door on my property and then have an opportunity for the future, because my goal is 10 or 15 years, possibly build something else here. So I've been kind of, you know, I've been learning a little bit about that. I've been building a corporate entity around it which is a lot of the old mundane work of just creating LLCs and doing all that kind of stuff and you know finding the right people to work with and th- th- that are good. So that's been, it's been a little frustrating because it isn't second nature to me. And I've been doing stuff for a long time that I get, you know, like I, it's innate to me going to Twitter, going to Facebook, writing things, creating content, even if it's a new company and something I don't quite understand, the marketing behind it was natural to me. This is more operational and not natural to me. So it's been a little bit of a push and, uh, and I'm trying to come to grips with it, you know, and, and every once in a while I wake up in the morning and go, I don't want to deal with this shit today. Okay. I got to do it. I got myself in, you know, like, and then I'll go, what did I get myself into? You know, it was nice just leaving my money in a bank account. And part of it came from my feeling that the market was too crazy for me. And, you know, I, I know it's been up and it, was, it went the other way than what I expected, but I'm still very comfortable that I divested. I don't wake up every morning and look at the market and I don't have to care. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it sounds like a very wise move. And, and I think there's something really, you know, although you're out of your comfort zone, you're learning something new. And I think that that's something that's so critical for all of us as we evolve is to constantly be learning. So sometimes it's good to take on a new skill or get comfortable doing something else so that becomes part of your comfort zone. 
And what's also nice about it, and this is like, by the way, I learned these things as I'm talking to someone like you, because I didn't really think of it this way. But, you know, I started talking to a therapist about a year ago because of, you know, my situations with my daughters and the challenges I had there. And it was about time. I probably should have spoken to somebody a long time ago. I just wasn't ready to open up about it. But also it happened right in line with COVID happening. So it was nice that I have someone that I can talk to about that. But one of the nice things about when you when you start something a little bit out of your comfort zone, but it's not something that really affects your life minute to minute. So it's frustration that you can deal with, but it isn't the same frustration as not being able to see your family mm. and not being able to travel and not being able to do what you did business-wise because I can't go and speak at events because it's just not possible now. So it's kind of in line with the book, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. He talks a lot about not giving a fuck, but he says what it's really about is giving a fuck about things that are worth giving a fuck about. Mm-hmm. You know, like like the health of your family, like, you know, your, you, 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 how you feel every day. So it, what's been kind of nice about this, and the, again, the piece of advice is get involved in something that is challenging and good, but it, you don't have to wake up in the morning and say, oh, my God, like, like, if it, like if it didn't work out, if I didn't get control of the board, if something didn't happen, my life is an ending. Yeah. Like, it's like, OK, so I still own some good apartments. I'm still making some revenue. I didn't win the way I wanted to win, but it's like a frustration is separate from things that really matter. Yep. Which is nice. Yeah, for sure. And and, and there's something I'm not really... expressing that well, by the way, but I, I'm trying to. That's okay. <laughs> no, I totally get it. And I think that there there's also something really powerful about having a tangible asset. And you know, yes. that's that's something that in today's world sometimes that just having that piece of a, a tangible asset feels really solid and being able to feel solid feels Good. When everything in the world is changing, let's have something solid, right? Right. And the part I had to get used to was you can't look at your phone and look at your app and go, oh, there's my balance. Because (laughs) you don't look at the building and a number comes up and says, okay, there's your value. You have to do the math in your head and you have to say, okay, it's not like I I can't just read it, but I know, like you said, it's tangible. It's there. So yes, it is kind of cool. Ted, it has been such a pleasure to reconnect with you and just see your face. And and uh, I love the beard, by the way. It's nice and oh, thank you. This yeah. is kind of new, like this yeah. whole you know, it's a COVID thing. First, it's I a like COVID a thing. My husband's got one too. They, like, all the all the men have become very hairy, but I got rid of the big beard because it was just too itchy, and I and I shaved this down. And then I just started letting it go, and I'm like, that kind of looks cool. You know? yeah. No, it looks great. Anyway, it's such a pleasure to reconnect with you, and I hope someday we again we have the opportunity to spontaneously run into each other in some physical we space. Most, we most definitely will. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure and an honor. And uh, folks, thank you for joining us today. And I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. And if you do a rating and review, please let us know because we always love to give a little love back. Ted, thank you so much for joining us today. And for all of you out there, thank you and look forward to next time. Bye bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.